0: Hey everybody, I'm Tim Whitaker, along with Rob McMichael and Jordan Renault. This is our podcast, Coffee, Theology, and Jesus. Our purpose for this podcast is to discuss this messy, difficult, and amazing thing we call the Christian faith. As Christians, we are encouraged and challenged constantly to see what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus was and how he lived and how we can better represent his message every day. Join us each episode as we explore how this relationship with Jesus affects everything from politics and religion to relationships and theology. Now that you know a little more about us, let's get into this week's episode.
1: So here we are 60 episodes in, and honestly, we still aren't any more professional. I'm going to apologize on my end for my poor audio quality throughout the episode, hoping that I'll get it sorted out by next week. However, this week in episode number 60, we touch on a variety of topics in the news recently, including Kanye West converting to Christianity, Francis Chan's announcement of moving to Asia for missionary work, John MacArthur's condemnation of women yet again, and John Chris coming out with stories of sexual misconduct. Now, we use each of these topics as a springboard to discuss the celebrity Christian culture that we have in America, and as usual, we find ourselves talking about lots more. But let's go ahead and join the conversation for this week.
0: Record button, record, 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 record. Are we on? Are we live? We are. All right. Should I fake it? Fake it. Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee Theology and Jesus podcast. I am your host, Tim Whitaker, with my other hosts, Jordan Renault, Rob McMichael. What's up, gentlemen?
1: What's up? I just have a bit of deja vu, that's all. This is
0: round (laughs) two because we went to record last night, but Rob's internet sucks so bad we had to stop mid recording. And I got to say, it, we were pretty funny last night, but now our jokes won't work. We were making jokes about, what were are we joking about?
1: No, let's not go down
0: that road again. It was something borderline inappropriate, wasn't it?
2: Probably. Uh, anti-vaxxing.
0: Oh, ah, you brought it anti-vaxxing up. Anti-vaxxing and flat earthers. Yes. I, that's... Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. So if you're, uh, well. a, if
1: you're a premium subscriber, we'll release the audio files from last night.
0: Oh, that was it was comedic gold, but thanks to Rob's turd internet down south, uh, it ruined everything. So we're it, back. It
2: it like fizzled out pretty bad though.
0: Oh yeah, A- it was after unworkable. We were funny. <laughs> it was unworkable. It would be like Rob. Hey, what? Uh,
2: uh. I felt I felt was, very much like uh, Michael Scott talking to Toby Flunderson when he's like, yes. Why are you the
0: way that you are? <laughs> That's how his internet was. But we are back. We are better than ever. We are amped. Right, people? Right. right. We have not recorded an episode in a long time, and a lot of things have happened. The impeachment proceedings with Trump have started. John MacArthur is weird. John <laughs> Christ is a sexual deviant, which is a shame. And Kanye West is now a born-again Christian. Wow, what world are, oh, and Disney Plus is live, and I can watch all my reruns of Spider-Man and X-Men. What world are we living in? And
2: Mighty Ducks.
0: No, let's talk about that. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> Let me tell you how Disney Plus lies to your face. This is a true story. So I log into Disney Plus today, and of course, the first thing I search for, Mighty Ducks 1, Mighty <laughs> Ducks 2, Mighty Ducks 3, and they're all there, right? Along yeah. with the cartoon from the 90s. Oh, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. I get home, I get comfy, I download Disney Plus on my Apple TV, I log in with my brother's subscription, and then from there I type in, or I use the Siri command, Mighty Ducks, and it comes right up. I tap on Mighty Ducks 2, the best one, obviously. And what does it say? (laughs) Due to prior licensing agreements, this movie is not available until 2020. What kind of sham is this?
2: Well, you know why, right? No because it's on netflix
0: no it's not i looked it up today someone well, told somewhere me that. It's, oh, it's not gotta on be netflix on, it's got to be well, on they, like hulu yeah. or prime or something
2: they have some sort of licensing agreement well, with yeah
0: but it else. ain't netflix which i'm also paying for maybe so, it's
2: hulu or amazon
0: if, i'll check hulu i pay for, for hulu but
2: my point is <laughs> you're like i have them all it must it was, be there somewhere <laughs> i actually used to own
0: the dvd trilogy box set of mighty ducks one two and three i yeah. lost it along the way my well, point, though, is I was very disappointed. This is out. your
2: this is your penance for being so careless with it's your. It's not on there. With your
0: things. Anyway, so, yeah, that's my story. But the good news, okay, let's talk very briefly. Disney Plus actually is awesome. <laughs> I got a cool. chance to rewatch Heavyweights, a classic. <laughs> um, the original 90s Spider-Man is on there in its entirety. My favorite 90s Spider-Man uh, cartoon. And then mm. Sarah and I – Oh. I was, I, I cried to remember the Titans again. That was on my to do list <laughs> today. That's a great movie. Yeah. And then Sarah and I started Mary Poppins. That mm. is a weird movie as an yeah. adult. It's a it, weird movie. It's a weird movie as a kid. It is. But as an adult, you like catch so much more and you're like, this is the whole thing is odd it's just yeah. an odd movie
2: as a kid you kind of like overlook some of that weirdness that you're you're just kind of like oh uh, okay
0: yeah right <laughs> move on. as an adult you're like it, what the? sarah was like it's like having fever dreams i'm yeah. like yes that's exactly right it's there's that a few kind of
2: movie. there's a few old cartoons that are kind of like that honestly
0: you're right there are a few that are like that are just bizarro
2: yeah bizarro. or just have weird weird scenes maybe
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. So I've been enjoying Disney Plus at the expense of my brother. That's been great. So I'm saving a whole 7 bucks a month. Oh, you don't have Verizon, do you? No, I have T-Mobile, the superior network.
1: With our Verizon cell phone service, we get it for free for a year.
0: Oh, wow, you're saving $7 a month. I'm so proud of you.
2: (laughs) Over a year. $70 $70 for a year. That's what it costs. Bravo. We watched uh, Secretariat have you seen oh, that one no how was that horse, good things. it's pretty good they filmed a lot of it here in lexington so it's cool because the one like horse race track is the one that's here in lexington oh. and i was like oh i know that i've been there wow yeah
0: well, man pretty that's cool great. so that's where i've been the past couple of days catching up on disney flicks but uh, rob 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 rob
1: hey catch up while you can because once you have kids there's no ketchup. It, you're just forever behind on everything. There's uh. only mustard. <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> puns.
0: I, I truly do not get it. I... <clears throat> you, you didn't get? No.
1: You can't, you can't you catch didn't... up on anything.
0: Oh my god. He said there's. He said there's no ketchup. Oh my god. <laughs> That was the worst part. <laughs> but um, you still
2: you still didn't get it. <laughs>
0: nope. Definitely, uh, definitely not. Uh. Um, so Rob, obviously in Christian culture, a lot of things have happened. Um, most notably, I would say three things have happened, which I already mentioned. The whole Beth Moore, John MacArthur fiasco, which we're not gonna talk about on a theological level because that's for a different topic, but I think all yeah. three of us would agree that John MacArthur's handling of it has been pretty terrible, even if we would agree or disagree with his stance theologically. Then you have John Christ, who was, was one of my favorite comedians, because first off, he's hilarious. He got the Christian culture so well, and he was starting to cross over into like that mainstream territory, including having a Netflix special release on Thanksgiving Day. Turns out he's been like doing terrible things, including allegations of sexual abuse and sexual misconduct. Uh, which he has said that um, a lot of it is true. So at a minimum, uh, at best, a lot of it's still true. At worst, all of it's true. That was really crazy to hear. And then lastly, Kanye West, completely from all what, what we can see on the surface anyway, turns his life to Christ, has a real change, and is out there doing crazy Christian things insane what um i would say what a month what a month of christian news and i i remember the first clip
1: that i saw of john MacArthur when you know they were it, it's like after his speeches they they have like this session afterwards where he has to they give him one word or a name and he just has to respond with one word or two words and he did. They did this. They've been doing this for a long time because they did it um, a while ago. And who's the um, who's Elevations Pastor Stephen, Stephen Furtick. Furtick? Yeah, and they they gave him Stephen Furtick, and he just said unqualified.
0: Oh my gosh! And, oh,
1: and then that's Stephen what he wrote the book. That's yeah, exactly. So even at the start of this one, he was like, oh, "I got to be careful. Uh, last time, somebody went and wrote a book with what I said." <laughs> so So they gave Beth more and I think oh, he said go home.
0: Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. Well and, that's that's part of what he said. Then he ran into like a seven right, minute you, monologue yes. pretty much.
1: But um so when that came out i just saw, I saw somebody on twitter that was just like i never thought i'd see the day where kanye west brought more people to christ than john mccarthy i saw that one <laughs> yeah.
0: which i mean i think is obviously an expression i don't think he's making like a factual statement but the point right. does stand of how much of a turnoff it was to a lot of people even ones who again would side with him theologically were not we're just like dude like There's a way to have this discussion, and then there's a way not to have it. And you're having it all the ways not to have it. (laughs) Uh, And then he doubled down more recently. He he released a sermon that is, again, a little, in my opinion, way over the top. And, um, yeah, just – And then,
1: so I think the fourth piece of news that came out within the last week was Francis Chan.
2: Oh, announcing
1: probably. that yes. he's going to be leaving the U.S. and him and his family are going to be missionaries in Asia.
0: Yes, yes, that's true. That's another big piece of news. Yes, we, I know he was overseas for a while. Then yeah. he came back to the states, and now he's leaving again. So yeah, yeah.
1: This time I think it's almost like a before it was uh, we're trying to test the waters, see where God wants us. We feel called. Now it's like okay, we think it's clear that
0: this is where we're supposed to go.
1: So mm-hmm. we're going.
0: Yes. Yeah. So a lot of huge news um, all over the place. So Rob, I know you had thoughts about this, so I'll give it over to you. How you want to launch us into our discussion tonight?
1: So I think what I want to discuss tonight is something I've actually been thinking of a lot. And so it came about, I'll be totally honest and upfront with you, it came about because I was listening to Tim Mackey's um hebrew series on exploring my strange bible podcast Mm. but i was like obviously he wasn't the only teaching pastor there i want the other sermons because i'm going from like chapter one Mm. to three to five or what however it went so i was like i i want the other sermons and so i went on to um door of hope's church and i think it was i think josh was the other pastor So I was listening to his messages. And at one point in his messages, he was just talking about servant over savior. And that's where my text to you guys came up. Um, And it was just the idea of our celebrity culture mixed with our propensity to lift up the servant of Christ above the savior himself. And so whether it's... um, attending a certain church because of the pastor that goes there, Kanye's Sunday service or Cornerstone because that's where Francis Chan was or Marzill, whatever the, whatever the church was, they were going there because of some pastor and that pastor got celebrity status or uh, someone that has a, a lot of credibility. Dr. Mackey, as we listen to all of the time or Dr. Walton or Dr. Heiser, you know, anybody with the doctor before their name (laughs) (laughs) and we give them more credibility than we do like anyone else. And we kind of take their word for it when, you know, just me reflecting was like, well, the Bible wasn't written by a bunch of doctors other than Luke. Um, And yeah, there were some scribes in there, a, a Pharisee, but The Bible itself was written by ordinary people. So maybe there's something to that. And then the whole celebrity culture itself, you know, uh, who's the guy in Jurassic World? Chris Pratt, uh, Justin Bieber, Kanye, all of these people joining churches and everybody going crazy. Oh, look who's a Christian now. And I remember when Kanye first um, came out with his testimony, there was a lot of people that were like, you know, it is unbelievable that God's using Kanye, but it's equally as unbelievable that God saved somebody like me. And I just thought that was a good point, not to take anything away from Kanye or any of the celebrities, but we just have this tendency to lift up celebrities in whatever context above the normal people that the church is built off of, and then lifting up preachers and pastors and teachers above even the savior or the above the word of God, what's the word of God say? Oh, well, let me think about what Tim Mackey would say on this before. I'm like, what do I actually think the Bible says? And then yeah, go and and listen to Tim Mackey or whoever you, whoever you feel like you want to listen to. But it was just all of that wrapped up in one week, I feel like. So I know that was a lot of information, but there we are.
2: I have to say, I do like how you started that whole statement, like you were about to make a confession. <laughs> you were like, "I have to be totally honest with you guys," and you just said a bunch of normal stuff. Uh oh! <laughs> like, like, oh, you stop the recording. You're confessing that you listened to someone other than Tim Mackey.
1: <gasps> well, <laughs> it was it was that it wasn't an original thought to me. I, I I'm getting okay. <laughs> I have a thought about I'm that actually.
0: I think, um. I'll say for me, okay, because I don't want to project, but for me at least, there's a difference between listening to or or sitting under, under the teaching of like a celebrity pastor or a scholar. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like a Tim Mackey, a Dr. Wall, and a Michael Heisler, whoever. Um, I am by default going to really trust what they have to say around the scripture because they know so much more than I do about everything else surrounding what I'm reading. Does that make sense?
2: Like uh, think, John MacArthur.
0: Yes, just like John MacArthur. Um, <laughs> I think those, like you said, Rob, sometimes the celebrity pastor role of guys like Stephen Ferdict or, um, you know, Bill Johnson or uh, John Piper, maybe whoever, um, because people see them as pastors and they're good communicators, they automatically kind of get put in that same camp. Like, like well, whatever they think about the Bible must be like the best way to interpret it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I I think for sure that a lot of them are great gifted speakers. I mean, even if they're not maybe great, like uh, actual sermon speakers, they're good communicators. They have a good way of doing that. Um, But I think that there's definitely a separation for me of like the scholar and academic world of people who are teaching and just people who are more well-known pastors than other pastors. Does that make sense? And for me, one more thing, I've kind of realized, like, I used to think, like, oh, if they're a pastor, they must be, like, super well-versed in scripture because they know, like, the English word of God, so to speak. But as I've been diving in with you guys and we've been interviewing guys like Walton and listening to Tim Mackey and Dr. Heisler, I'm kind of realizing, like, wow, like, this is a whole different layer of things that I would have never picked up on if it wasn't for these guys and their study and their, really, their diligence to the scripture, just not in, in a local church context. But in the world of academia. Does that make sense as well?
2: Yeah. I I appreciated that. I think it's good to remember that a lot of pastors do come from that background. I mean, they might not be scholars or like doctors in that, but usually to be a pastor, you do have to go to like seminary, which is equivalent to at least a master's degree in, you know, theological studies. And so obviously, I mean a lot of them do have that. Uh, background where they have done a lot of study and probably studied in other languages I know Hebrew is a big uh, subject that you have to do in seminary usually Um, but I agree with you I think that like it's different to look at a pastor and kind of uh just take their word because they are a good communicator, like you're saying, like it's it's important to really know where that authority figure is coming from. Are they coming from a place of you know just they're popular, or are they coming from a place of they've, you know, given years and years of their life to studying and understanding this stuff?
0: Yes. Um I I for me at least, I think for you two as well. Growing up in church, I'm really grateful for that. But where I'm at now in my journey, I need like that next level like yeah. stuff, you know, like I'm, I've grown up and I've heard all the potential popular sermon titles and series I could possibly ever hear in my entire life about different topics or different things about like the mainstream teachings of the Bible, which I appreciate. But for I think for where I'm at, and I think also for where a lot of people our age are at who have grown up in the church, we are just like, so thirsty and hungry for that next level of like that you know tim mackie whatever i'm using the same guys but you know those dudes tim mackie walton heisler that level of like oh i had no idea this like sub layer foundation that is in the ground way under there but really holds this whole book up and this whole mm. narrative up um so for me it just really helped me better understand what the faith is that we're talking about um I heard Ravi. Uh, well, a buddy of mine told me that Ravi Zacharias said at some point that you get to a point in your life where either you gain new beliefs or you have to find better reasons for why you believe things. And I think that was for me was like really it nailed it for me. Where I got to a point where I'm like, either this isn't real or I got to find better reasons for why I believe this stuff. And I think as I progress deeper in, I found way better reasons. I think you. I think that's safe to say for you guys as well. But uh, that's kind of where I was getting at. I know we're kind of down the rabbit hole, but that's what I was getting at with you, Rob, is like, I think for me, in, once you hit that like PhD level, you know, in like Hebrew and in Greek and in wherever and in wh- wh- whatever other, other biblical study, you just hit such a different level of teaching that it's hard to deny like whatever they're saying. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be hard for me to be like, well, I think you're wrong because I just always believe it was different. It's hard to when you're faced with like, well, actually, according to, are thousands of hours of studies this thing that you probably thought isn't really that true this is a better truth i kind of am forced to you know i guess agree with it even if if i don't like it does that make sense
2: aren't there guys like that kind of on both sides though like we've talked about how like i don't know we kind of make fun of calvinism a little bit and we've we've had guys on here that are sort of uh on the other side of that maybe um but aren't there a lot of really smart guys, you know, yeah, theologians and, and yeah, <laughs> oh, for, who, who are for, on that side too? <laughs> for
0: sure. I mean, a hundred. You still get that. Sure.
2: You still get that divide. Like even at the highest level, it's right. like you still. That's
0: what's so fascinating to me is that I haven't thinking about that. It's funny you say that. I've been thinking about that a lot for the past couple of months. It's like, huh? Like there are guys at every level who are going to disagree um and i can under i don't know it's just very interesting because i personally now where i'm at with some of that stuff i'm like i don't know how anyone can not see it this way but that's how right. they feel about my view i think for me where i'm at once someone gets to a point where they're like listen this is the only way you could possibly interpret this and if not you're a heretic that's where i'm just like you know what how can i how can i have a dialogue with that like i'm willing to realize that there are, that there are people out there with different views than me you rob Tim Mackey whoever who are who love the lord like crazy and who are doing the work of the kingdom but i feel like there's a certain part of christianity still that like real fundamentalist part that says if you're not reading this book how we are you're just plain wrong and that's where i kind of am like okay i really don't want to be around that section anymore it's like i kind of grew up yeah. in like half a foot in that world you know what i mean
1: mhm so anyway and I, to, to that point i think there's the danger at every level to put someone who is more knowledgeable than you in a certain area to put their opinion or beliefs or convictions ahead of developing your own by the word of God. So my point in bringing up the Bible, who was written about and, you know, all the characters, it was unqualified people that were given the, the job of being his disciples or writing down uh, truth or disseminating and being called up into heaven and given this book of revelation. And I I just think my point was, I have this tendency too. And I, I, when I was listening to that sermon, it really hit me that there are so many times where I come to a hard passage and instead of being like, all right, well, let me do some of my own research or let me do some of my own, just meditating on it, thinking about it. It's, oh, what's Tim Mackey say about this? Oh, what does, you know, one of my commentaries say about this passage? And I'm I'm putting, because they have that amount of hours or study or PhD behind their name, that I, I downplay the work of the spirit in my own life and say, but these other guys, they're more qualified to tell me where I think my point is the spirit of God can reveal truth to anybody. Um, It's how open are we to, to receive it? And again, not to knock anybody's efforts or gift or working to get that, that degree. I'm not saying that's wrong or bad or anything like that. And I appreciate a lot of the scholars and translators and all of that. I just, I think we overplay them too much as well.
2: I think it kind of has to be a combination of both when we're talking about our study and our understanding of scripture. And I think this was kind of the conclusion we came to when we did that whole episode on this topic Mm -hmm. was that when we pursue understanding of the word of God, it has to come from, you know, a lot of different places. It has to come from, are, you know, reading and being open to the Spirit speaking to us alongside, you know, the teachings of guys who have, you know, spent their entire lives dedicated to this, lending their wisdom um, and insight. And I think that's really how you kind of start to get a holistic picture of what a specific scripture means is when you kind of you come at it from all those different angles and you use the different tools that are available Mm you're going to say something
0: tim well i was just i'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute because i've always thought about this and i feel like it could be good so i understand what you're saying rob like the holy spirit can reveal truth right Mm -hmm. but like what does that mean because here's what i hear happen a lot i'll be in these bible studies and someone will pull up um, Jeremiah, Was it, 2911, you know, for the plans I have for you, and they'll say, you know, I was thinking about that scripture, and then, like, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me about the truth of that scripture, that, like, God really is in control of my life, and, like, he's speaking to me. And I'm like, okay, but that's definitely not at all what that passage is talking about (laughs) at all, like, in its proper context. It's just not. So is that, like, a kind of thing where, the Holy spirit could have like revealed that personal truth to them, but that truth doesn't apply to me. So it's like more of like of like a subjective truth in that sense, or can it be both? Or is that person just not hearing right? And like, there's a different, and they're just wrong. Cause that's where I get stuck is like, I feel like I've heard people say that the Holy spirit spoke to me and then go on to say a verse that means nothing even close to what they're talking about. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be rude and be like, I think you're crazy. But at the same time, it's like, are you just trusting the voice in your head that gives you these thoughts and that's the Holy Spirit for you? So I think that's why I tend to default to auto, even if, even if I do overuse it, the reason I tend to is because I almost know that I've done that before to myself. Like, oh, I read right. the scripture. I think it's saying this, but then I realize, like a year later, I'm like, oh, I wasn't even close to what like the baseline context is. So I wasn't hearing correctly. Does that make sense?
2: I think to answer maybe part of that question, I think God certainly can use scripture to speak into someone's life personally using a scripture, maybe not in the way it was originally intended. And I think that verse is a good example because it obviously is not a verse that's directed to us as Christians today. It was written to the Israelites Mm -hmm. um, for a specific circumstance that they were in, but, I will say even for me personally in my life, maybe before I understood the context of that verse, I can remember a specific time where I read that verse and it did speak to me in in sort of a general reassurance kind of way that, no, I'm not trying to put myself in the place of the Israelites and say, you know, God has these awesome, amazing plans for me kind of thing in where you're almost getting into like prosperity gospel kind of thing. But at the same time, it is, it can be an encouraging and reassuring verse to know that, you know, God is invested in you as a person um, and cares about you and, you know, knows your future. And I think it's okay that in a general sense that that verse can like lend encouragement um, and, you know, hope maybe even to someone even if they are taking it out of its original context.
0: Yes. Um I definitely believe that the Bible is applicable to us today. Like a hundred percent for sure. The whole Bible. I think all of it you yeah. can look at and be like wow this is you know this applies to me and also like the current culture around us, right? right.
2: Especially when um, you're like pulling out those you know those universal truths about God.
0: <laughs> sure. I think where I've been l- thinking about where i've been leaning is like for instance i know in that in that part of the israelite story i think it was 70 years so god actually did prosper the nation (laughs) it was not a short thing right but i just i this let, let me back up real quick i'm reading a great book i just finished it called misreading scripture through western eyes it's phenomenal i recommend it to all of you listening it's a great book written by a great scholar who spent time in Indonesia for over a decade. And he just kind of talks about how Westerners have certain values that are that we bring to Scripture that are sometimes really good. And sometimes they just help us a lot. And sometimes they don't help us at all. And he talks about this verse in particular. And he kind of brings it up that, you know, for us, we'll see it as... Um, you being in the individual and and being instantaneous almost but to god he was talking to a group of people and it was over the long term and right. some people even did still suffer for many years right and so i think that that in this case that verse is still in that story is still very applicable to us but i think that when we start making that that bigger larger group story that took time instant and personal that's when when it doesn't happen we go but god i thought you were here to not to harm me it's been it's been six months and i'm still hurting it's you know but me you know does that does that make sense you know what i mean yeah
2: no for sure so
0: i i'm trying to find this balance of like yes i believe the bible absolutely is still for us i mean 100 percent. but we also have to have a baseline of like well how does how does this story actually apply to us Instead of just, oh, this one verse to me right now, when that's i we're not even in the same universe of what that I, verse is talking about.
1: And I think that's the importance of um, making sure that what we're getting out of it agrees with the rest of Scripture. Is this something yeah. that I'm just getting out of this one verse for right now? Or is this something that, yeah, maybe this isn't the direct application of this verse in context. But that truth can be, the principle is still there. And we see that principle in the rest of scripture that, you know, that God will do good things for those that love him or what, you know, what do whatever the case is that you want to make. Sure. Um, So I, I'm, and on that point, I think there are just various levels of reading the scripture. So there are some of that surface stuff, but the deeper you go, should confirm and then deepen some of those surface truths so jeremiah 29 11 is you know the good example of yeah we get that surface truth of oh, god is in control he knows the plans and he's working things out for his good but then you go a little deeper and you realize oh jeremiah was the weeping prophet because he was prophesying that Israel is going to go into bondage in being taken over by Babylon and now they're going to be slaves. Well, that also was part of God's plan. And yeah, there were some judgment and harsh times that were coming up. And so you get these deeper truths, which don't take away from that surface truth, but it confirms it and then brings us to a different appreciation of, of God and who he is. And so I think in all of those things, sometimes I'll have some surface truths that as I go deeper, I'm like, wow, that surface truth was actually pretty wrong. And I probably should (laughs) um, advise against believing that where other times it's going to be, Oh, okay. Now I get a deeper understanding of what God spoke to me earlier. And I think that's where we should get to. And people like um, these great biblical scholars help us get deeper into truth and then, they can uh, help um, encourage and strengthen those kind of that surface truth.
0: Yes. Yes. And I think one of the problems we see right now in our current church culture with the celebrity pastor is that a lot of times there's, it's so surface that people can just take whatever they hear, not understand any context underneath of it. And then when it doesn't quote unquote work, Especially right now, we seem to be in a very big um, cycle of like, um, you know, the God who's who's gonna make His promises happen. Like, hang on, it's very individualistic. It's not ever seen as like the church. Like, if someone else got their miracle, you would say, "Well, where's mine?" But maybe that was the whole plan was for God to heal that person in your group. You know what I mean? But yeah. everything is so right now individualistic and all about. You know, um, the blessing that is to come, the promise that's to come, which I think is, of course, there's a very biblical uh, thing to be said about God keeping his promises and that all things are going to be made new again, for sure. But it's kind of very surfacy and almost comes across as like uh, your best is yet to come to an extreme. And if there's suffering or if there's heartbreak, well, don't sit in that. Don't live in that because your best is still to come. You know, just like how God conquered the grave. You're going to conquer your problem. But sometimes in Scripture, and a lot of times, we see people sitting with their pain and letting the Holy Spirit work through that to actually refine them and make them a better person and to really bring glory to God in a whole different way that was not thought about before. And so I think when it comes to celebrity pastors and just that kind of thing, a lot of times they're very popular because they're great communicators. But for me, it's so surface I can only take so much of it before I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like if you keep popcorning these verses together that don't go together and creating like these different, you know, theologies that really aren't like super strong in scripture, I think you just kind of get into like some murky water.
2: Yeah. yeah. That kind of reminds me of, I feel like I've heard several different stories and I can't think of a specific one at the moment, but they're all kind of along the lines of this idea of someone putting in a lot of work and, uh, like, for the kingdom, you know, ministry over a whole lifetime, and then never really seeing the fruit of that. You know, I, I've heard stories of missionaries who were like living in some country ministering to people for 60 years, and never saw one person come to Christ. Um, and then they died. And then maybe, maybe the hopeful part of the story is now it's, you know, 20 years later, and there's a church there, or something like that. Right. Um, but it's kind of crazy to think about the experience of that person and it's it's really hard <laughs> to consider the possibility that something that could be something for your life where you don't see the promise fulfilled you know you you have the promise, and that so relates back to that whole jeremiah twenty nine eleven thing and so much of what Israel went through is when God yeah. spoke through these prophets and said, "I'm going to do things and I'm going to make great i'm you know going to do great things and He made these promises a lot of them first of all were about Jesus, which was like six hundred years later <laughs> right and or still haven't come true mm-hmm. um and it's just this really like you're right, Tim, we think about it in such of an individualistic and personal way that I'm getting promises for me and for my life, and they're going to be fulfilled in a way that's satisfying to me. And it's really hard to, you know, admittedly so, because Mm -hmm. to even wrap your head around this idea of I might live my whole life and never see this promise fulfilled in my life personally. But I have to trust (laughs) that God is working something through my submission to him and my, you know, work for his kingdom.
0: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, a lot of this, and again, I'm referencing that book that I just read, so it's fresh in my mind. But a lot of this (laughs) is related to, especially like a North American mindset, is just our culture. Forget scripture for a second. Our culture is very individualistic. It's very... Consumer focus is very, you know, what's in it for me? Where's the benefit for me? Not all of those things are inherently bad. That isn't my point. Um, But one of the dangers is that then you take um, a gospel that is definitely individual, but also very corporate all throughout Mm -hmm. scripture. And we read a lot of yous, which really should be translated y'alls, as Tim would say. (laughs) And we read it as just me you know, and, and no one else. You know, yeah. I, I think a great example of that is how we treat communion. This individual time with the bread and cup where you pray to God, just you and him to make sure that, that you're right before him. But in scripture, we see that it was really a communal meal centered around quite a few elements, not just the bread and the cup, really a full meal and other things, but it was always together. Um, and also um, in scripture brought together the rich and the poor, the it the racial divide, the cup and the bread is what, is what united the body. But we don't see it like that as much, again, because we're just a very individualistic culture. So I say that because it's important for us to be aware of that. So we are aware of our own presuppositions that we read into the text. Does that mean that our American Christianity is wrong or heretical? I don't think that's the case at all. In fact, I think that uh, we practice some things really well. Like forgiveness is a very common thing that we're kind of taught in our culture as a whole, that it's the right thing to forgive someone. Um, you know, some other cultures don't do so well with that, right? So it's definitely a give and take, but I think the deeper I'm studying and realizing certain things about scripture, the more I'm kind of seeing how it's really at odds with some Western values that I've been taught to believe are like good values to have. Not necessarily right or wrong, just maybe not like the best thing to put onto the biblical text.
1: Yeah. And you you get the wrong context for certain things and you don't get the nuances for some of the parables because we're looking at it from Western interpretation and not understanding, oh, wow, I didn't really even get that. I remember um, when I was reading about the prodigal son. Yes. Uh, I mean, I am I am of the opinion that the prodigal son wasn't saved when he was um, down in the swamps with the pigs, because what he was still afraid of was this ceremony of Kezaza, which is if you were to take your inheritance or your, your family's inheritance and lose it to the Gentiles, you would be cut off from that, from that family and from that society and that city. And if you were to come back to that city, <laughs> with that lost money or without the lost money then they would break stuff right they would break this vase right in front of you as a symbol of saying no you don't belong here and so that was his that was his fear and so he the way that i was reading it and saw others describing it was Okay, he has to sneak back in, and he's like, maybe if I can get in good with my dad and work as a servant, I can kind of work back the money, and then I'll be accepted back. But it makes so much more sense then when the father sees him coming and runs out to him and says, you don't need any of that. You've already been accepted. And that story to me is even more powerful than the Western uh way of looking at it where oh he got saved and he turns around and he runs back and the father sees him No, the father forgave him before he even was repenting really the Mm -hmm. father told him he's welcome and he's home before he was even ready to be accepted and i i so there's so many parables like that that we just we don't get the culture and we don't get the references and they're they're sometimes nuanced and it doesn't make you know what we have stereotypically heard preached or a sermon about it. It doesn't make it necessarily wrong, but there's a deeper truth that I think makes us appreciate it even more.
0: Exactly right. Yep. And I think that's what I've been, as I've been journeying with all this stuff, just kind of realizing that. Uh, again, kind of coming out of like a, a a background of this is the only way to read this. I'm like, actually, there are other people who, depending on their worldview, would actually pick up different elements in the text and give me a whole different perspective on the same parable. Um, And it's not about right or wrong. It's really more about, I think, both and in a lot of these cases, you know, because we're not Mm -hmm. talking about the risen Christ or, you know, forgiveness of sins, nothing like that. It just fills out more to the story than just some of these, like, uh, highlights that we've kind of been focusing on all this time. Uh, Another big one that I realized that I didn't even know is, and I still don't really understand, is that, you know, the Bible was written in like an honor-shame culture, and we don't have an honor-shame culture in America. It's just a whole different kind of way of even thinking, and uh, again, the book that I'm reading just points out how the David and Bathsheba story is really all about shame and honor. It's not so much about uh, what, you know, we kind of see it as like, well, adultery is wrong, which is totally correct, but the author is kind of shaming David throughout, which is kind of crazy because he was a king. All of these little things you wouldn't wouldn't pick up on automatically if you didn't know about it to look for it. Uh So anyway, I know we're kind of off topic, but I just found that interesting because, again, just the celebrity kind of culture we have now, and even I think a lot of pastors who are well-meaning, they're kind of all taught in the universities kind of the same lens to look at this stuff through. And so that's why I think I really appreciate guys like Tim or – Heisler or even this this guy who who wrote this book, they kind of give me just a different set of eyes than uh I've been always kind of just taught to see it only in one way. There's like a wider picture happening. That's why I enjoy it so much. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't think that guys, I don't think that celebrity pastors, well, I don't think a lot of them um are like really heretical or like bad people. I I don't think that they are um right. at all. I just I and honestly, to be fair, I, I think if anything I've learned that there are different people with different callings in, mm-hmm. in, in life and not everyone's called to the same thing I'm called to and vice versa. And so I think that a lot of them are doing the work that God's called them to do. And, and they're reaching people in a way that I, I never could, just like how I'm reaching people in a way that they never could. Right. So I've kind of learned to kind of balance that better. But I just think for a lot of Christians who grew up in the church, you can only stay on that milk for so long before you have to get to something else. Um, at some point you have to kind of move on to something deeper than just like a thirty-five minute uh, kind of like topical sermon about a couple passages, you have to move on from that.
1: And I I wonder if that's part of the reason that our church culture gravitates and and loves it when like a celebrity comes along, and oh when man, Kanye's a Christian, oh Justin Bieber's a Christian, oh Chris Pratt's a Christian, because it it solidifies maybe even in their mind or maybe it should, has happened to me too where maybe i'm having some doubts but it's like oh man if kanye believes this then maybe i maybe i'm good too I, I i'm i'm all right believing it or it's cool to believe it whereas if i was in a culture and a place in the world where it wasn't cool nor safe and i could possibly lose my life for believing the gospel maybe i wouldn't i wouldn't be a christian in that culture and it we we just in america we see these celebrities and we're like oh that validates my my beliefs i'm i'm good with that um and think, it yeah. it goes back to just not being not being deep enough christians and getting past the sunday sermon
0: yeah i think that's a part of it i think and again, maybe, maybe I'm a little cynical here. If I am, it is what it is. But I think some of it, too, is that Christians like knowing that, like, people in power and, in, in like, uh, you know, the public eye are, like, on their side. Right. Like, yeah, well, we got Kanye on Team yes. Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, we got Bieber on Team Christian. Like, there you go, world, terrible world that's, you know, at war with us. Like, one more for us? I <laughs> mean, I don't think it's always seen that way, but that's how it kind of comes across to me sometimes. Yeah. Um. I I think we and we talked about we've talked about this in the past with politically how we've seen that like is it more about like values or more about power, <laughs> right? I think that power dynamic can come over into this as well. I mean, in my mind, honestly, Kanye should not be doing anything public. Kanye should not be getting asked by Joel Olstein to come to his church. He shouldn't be getting asked by anyone who's in the public spotlight to come out and do something because he's he's a baby christian the guy got saved like like trump like (laughs) let's not bring up trump in this conversation (laughs) we're having a nice conversation okay sorry sorry. um but kanye is a baby christian um who's by the way being discipled by a very reformed pastor uh which is fine i'm just giving him a hard time but the point is though is that He's a baby Christian. I don't know if he needs to be out in the public doing anything in leadership-wise in ministry because he's a baby Christian. I mean, the guy is three months old. So I don't think it's fair (laughs) for us to put these expectations on a guy like Kanye because you know what's going to happen. We all know what's going to happen. Kanye's going to make a mistake. He's going to say something that in Christian culture is super taboo, is a super big no-no, and then you're going to see all the posts, oh, is he really saved? Is he really a Christian? I can't believe Kanye said the F word. Like, is he really a Christian? It, that's what's going to happen, like, guaranteed, because that's what we tend to do with people like this. We kind of puff them up, and then when they make a mistake, we kind of just throw them away. So I think, for me, guys like Kanye need to take a step back you know, almost like, almost like how Paul took the three-year, right, sabbatical of just kind of him alone to recalibrate right. that kind of idea of like, all right, kind of get out of the spotlight. Let's take some time away, get your mind right. Let's teach you some of the, the fundamentals of Christian theology, like one hundred and one. We can all agree on this stuff. And then from there, if you want to start your ministry, go for it, but <laughs> take some time off first.
2: I think we all like, are drawn or we really like when these public figures become christians or whatever because at least part of it i think is because as much as we as christians talk about being counterculture or uh you know going against what culture thinks is good or right we have this like really human underlying desire to be accepted by culture mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and to have our beliefs and faith accepted by culture. And I don't know, I, that's, maybe it's a Western thing, maybe it's, uh, mm. you know, in America thing, because, I mean, maybe it has to do some with our history of, yeah. you know, because Christianity was at one time such like a, a, a cultural thing yeah. in our country. Um, and we have this sort of like looking back at a golden age kind of mentality about it. Yes. Wanting to get back to that. And I think that plays into the whole political side of it too, is that we Mm. want, um, you know, maybe it's not so much about power, but I'm sure that's part of it as much Mm. as it is about like acceptance. And, you know, the more there is a push in our culture, against religion and against Christianity we're going to you know get super happy whenever like somebody like Kanye West or Justin Bieber is like you know no I'm a Christian it's like oh somebody's standing up for us (laughs) in in the spotlight and 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 I don't know that that's I mean I don't think it's entirely wrong to feel that way or bad but I think it's it's not good to put any sort of like stock in that or, or security or hope in that because we're pretty much promised that you know we're going to it's going to get worse <laughs> you know we, you know mm-hmm. we're not going to be accepted by culture you know those the people who really follow after Christ and are are truly believing you know what the bible says are not going to be accepted by culture ultimately and it's that's going to continue to get worse and worse until you know, it's illegal and there's whatever, you know, however you interpret the (laughs) end times kind of stuff. But
0: yeah, Uh, we are at a very interesting time because we are, I mean, me personally, you personally, we're super insulated from any kind of like real persecution. I mean, yeah, like really, I mean, the worst thing that could ever happen to us is still, uh, you know, um, roses to the majority of Christians who have lived before us uh, and live even now in other parts, in of, the other world, parts of the world, yeah. probably most of the world, frankly. Um, and so it does, oh, I kind of chuckle a little bit when I hear that term persecution thrown around like, okay, like, I, I mean, come <laughs> on, I mean, just, just think about it, you know? Um, but I do think it does, it does seem like culturally we are getting more and more divided as a nation, meaning it's not so much that we have differences. I mean, we've always had differences. It's that both sides are doubling down more and more and more and causing a wider divide. So right. it's like there, it's almost like each side is kind of compounding how much more it's going to double down on its position. And so when you keep on compounding like that, you just keep on like, you know, doing that as, at some point something's got to give. So it is interesting because I was talking to a buddy about this today. I really believe in that, like that principle of like reaping what you sow really happens in things like this, where if you keep reaping or sowing division and the um, um, the, uh, the inability, I guess, and the desire to not want to listen to, the, to your enemies, so to speak, and not to want to love your neighbor well, even the ones that you don't like. When you keep sowing that stuff on both sides, at some point you're going to start reaping what that reaps, which is hatred, which is sin, which gives birth to death ultimately, you know? So it is, it is, it will be interesting to see how the next like 30, 40, 50 years of even American culture play out because it does seem like, while I guess that there has been some loss in the in the public uh, spotlight of like Christian influence, there's still a very, very, very strong Christian, especially conservative base that is never gonna budge. And now there's like a pretty extreme liberal base that is really pushing, probably harder than ever before. So between those two things, it'll be very interesting to see how they, how they play out. I mean, I never heard a candidate like Beto O'Rourke not only say that, yes, we will come for your guns, which I mean, is so inflammatory to say uh, to so many people, but also his comment about um, if a nonprofit or religious organization does not accept LGBT issues, they should be um, no longer tax exempt. Now, personally, I think tax exemption is a beautiful thing we get as being Americans. I don't think every church in the world gets that privilege. But what he's saying, though, is very threatening to religion, ultimately, where it's like, if you don't conform to what we think you should conform to, we're going to penalize you. So I never heard a candidate ever say that before. He's no longer a candidate. But still, the fact is that, the fact that someone who was a candidate said that, does kind of point you in the direction of like what is to come more and more
2: yeah i feel like it already kind of starts with how you know people in pop culture and stuff and the acceptance of certain maybe religious organizations you see everything with chick-fil-a and um you know people's just very like i talk to people all the time actually here that are like oh yeah I shouldn't I I love Chick-fil-a but I really shouldn't go there (laughs) and I'm like I'm like why what are you talking about And you're like and I want to like have that conversation and a lot of times I'm at work and I kind of can't because I'm not Mm -hmm. really supposed to but just that like why why are you so anti Chick-fil-a and and they'll have their their obvious answers like because they're anti-gay they're anti-lgbtq whatever (laughs) I'm like really they are like because they did what you know what do they do maybe half the people know that they you know the actual story of it because they've given money to whatever organization but then i i i'm want to bet that maybe like one percent if that of the people who are like anti chick-fil-a know anything about focus on the family or like what's the organization or that it was the CEO of Chick-fil-A personally giving money. It wasn't an right. organization that gave money. Um, and that's just one example. There was another one I saw the other day of, I forget who it was, uh, some sort of uh, singer, pop singer. Oh,
0: uh, LV Golding with Salvation yes, Army. Yes,
2: yes, with the Salvation Army. And she, all she did was post something on Twitter. Uh, it was like a picture of her working, doing like, charity work with the salvation army and i'm like and people got all up in arms because the salvation army anti-lgbtq and it was Which like they that in- that's what's so amazing. right and right i think it's just like people thought that automatically because well what
0: happens is the reason i really could to, 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 i don't mean to interrupt you but no, the, here's here's what it is it's the salvation army or in this case as well for uh, chick-fil-a they donated to an organization that gave to the uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Mm -hmm. The FCA has just says in the rules to be a leader, you have to abstain from any kind of sexual activity outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. That is what is what labeled it anti-gay. It has nothing to do with, with with their actual outreach with, with, with what their mission is. Their mission is to, is to take care of Christian athletes. That's all they exist to do. But because in their rules for being a leader in the FCA was that, that's what made them anti-gay. Same thing with Salvation Army. I'm pretty sure the only w- way they're anti-gay is if you are, uh, like, uh, I guess, in leadership there, you have to abide by certain sexual standards. So, yeah. again, that's just an organization making rules for their staff. That's not how they – that. What they don't do is they don't go up to people they're giving coats to and go, oh, are you gay? Right. <laughs> oh, give me this coat back because you're <laughs> gay. That's what they don't do. They give to everyone. So their ministry doesn't discriminate at all, but internally they have their own policies, which any business or organization, especially a nonprofit, has the right to do. Yeah. If a nonprofit that was an LGBT pro nonprofit, meaning their focus was to take care of that community, did not want to hire. Me, a white Christian cisgendered male, they have that right to do that. They do. I might not like it, but they have the right to do that. So anyway.
2: Well, what's crazy to me about that whole thing is just how quickly it is like, oh, nope, we're against that. We're canceling that. We're not going to have anything to do with Salvation Army. We're not going to have anything to do with Chick-fil-A. And it's to the point where it doesn't necessarily even take the government making laws against anything like that for it to be like, nope, we're not going to do that. And so, I mean, getting back to kind of what we were talking about before, it's kind of no wonder that when somebody like Kanye West like becomes a Christian or something else, we're like, ah, oh, finally, somebody gets us. Because <laughs> it's like all of his other things are like, no, we hate you and everything you stand for.
0: <laughs> right, right. And it is interesting seeing, I mean, I think personally, I would say that in the past we have definitely have heard the horror stories of either christians or church people really treating LGBT people really poorly and really terribly mm-hmm. and doing a ton of damage right and yeah. we would speak against that saying no like, you should be able to be willing to talk to them and love them well um, and be willing well, to. People are just dialogue. now.
2: I feel like people are just now getting over the Crusades, maybe a little bit. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> it might but, be a while.
0: <laughs> but now what we're seeing is that same mentality on the left, right? Uh, yeah. Like, like the the, the 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 I would say far left, where it's like, no, we're going to cancel you. No, we don't. We have to say so. Shut up! Don't say anything. So it is interesting seeing it kind of go from like. Hey, we want a place at the table to now, like, if you don't, if your organization doesn't subscribe to the belief system that we want it to, you are not going to be tax exempt anymore. That's just right. like a very big step, right? So I don't know. It's just, it's a very interesting time in America. I don't know how it's going to play out, but one of the things for sure, I mean, with, with <laughs> between Obama and Trump, it's been a very divided country <laughs> more and more. So I'm hoping yeah. we get a unifier at some point, but I'm not sure.
2: We'll see.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure, man. Oh. I'm not sure. But I am convinced that the more and more I am studying scripture and kind of hearing about this concept of how, you know, Jesus dying is him, is him conquering death by almost being conquered by it at first and then kind of rising again. Like this idea of giving up power to gain power the more I thought about, like, as the Christian, like, what's my real role in the world? You know, like, is my role to gain as much power as possible to right. then, like, mandate what I think Christians and how people should live? Yeah. Or is my goal to be, like, almost underground and loving people really well in my context and just as best as I can practicing, like, the Beatitudes, you know, like, loving your enemy, which I fail at, like, every day. If, 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 if a guy cuts me off, I hate him. I hate him. I'm like, you are the worst driver. I hope your car blows up. I mean, if I can't love my driving enemy, how can I love like my, you know, enemy? yeah, my actual enemy. Right. So I feel like I have enough to work on myself, (laughs) let alone to try and govern the world. I just don't have time for it. Uh, I think we have like this,
1: at least I have in the past. I don't know how it is in like your local churches, but you, you hear of like, of somebody that's a missionary somewhere or a full-time pastor and the the verbiage in our church is oh they're in the lord's work yeah and it's like yeah but aren't we all yeah and i i would listen to the ken coleman show um it's a podcast and he he starts the episode by uh by always like reminding his audience that god created you to do a job that he only created you to do. And his is more like a business podcast, like um, being able to to follow what career you should go in and all of that. But I think the the logic still applies, and I think he would apply it here as well. Some, some people are, yeah, called to a foreign mission field and that's where they should be and they're going to plant churches or build an orphanage or whatever. But right now, God has called Jordan to work at Starbucks. He's called me to be in North Carolina working at a boiler. Jordan's shaking his head vigorously. (laughs) He's like,
2: definitely not.
1: (laughs) But it, it doesn't matter. There's no like, oh man, that's 10 points for Christian service, but I'm only getting one and a half points or negative three points because of where I'm working. Yes. We can we can be serving God and what He has called us to do no matter where we are by just living out a lot of the things that you just talked about, Tim. Loving our neighbors and being kind and being a good employee is speaks so much more than when we have that opening for the gospel. They're be more willing to listen to what we have to say about other things because they're like, Oh wow, actually, yeah, he's a good person. I know that. He's done X, Y, and Z and, and you know, isn't beating his chest every day about how great he is. Um, but I yes. think we, we lose sight of that fact that we are, or at least I do, I, I can be just as much in service for God here in my nine to five or eight to five or however long I work as some missionary that's working 24-7 in Indonesia.
2: Even Francis Chan
1: yeah that's full circle take that francis and you
0: living out the gospel is more than you just subscribing to a conservative political agenda and picking out three issues and making that like your heart your battle cry like no the gays no this you know I i would say it's actually opposite to that in a lot of ways it is, and that's yeah i mean that's my point though is like the gospel is way bigger and talks about way more than just like two or three issues that maybe dominate our conversation you know, um, the oppression of the poor is a big theme in the Bible all over the place. It is woven in the uh, Old Testament, in the New Testament. It's in the cry of the prophets. It's in the teachings of Jesus. It is in the teachings of Paul. I mean, the oppression and abuse of the poor, and and that is everywhere. So if you want to talk about, like, major issues that are all over scripture, you can start with that one. That's, like, a pretty baseline, you know. But my point is just saying that sometimes I think we, we get so caught up in like culture's talking points that we assume that like all God cares about are these like three or four major talking points that politically they're waging war on. And while there's definitely times, of course, to address those issues, there's a much bigger story happening than just these two or three things. And that's important to to be aware of.
2: I think my kind of overall point is I'm just thinking how to sum it up is kind of like as good as it might feel, in a moment or in a situation to have this, this glimpse of like cultural acceptance or this, like, you know, these celebrities are joining us kind of thing. And as good as that might feel like that can't be where our hope is (laughs) as Christians, we can't put our hope in culture, finally accepting us in, you know, the government Mm -hmm. finally being all Republican or (laughs) you finally. know whatever <laughs> finally whatever <laughs> it is that we think is going to make everything okay that's you know if it's not jesus if it's not christ doing work and us joining in with that it's not going to be fulfilling and it's not going to get us anywhere ultimately um i heard we i heard a good uh point made in the sermon at my church last Sunday, they were doing like a missions week. Um, and the guy who was talking was talking about just the idea of when feeling called to missions or or called to go into missions and how it can't be this idea like that we are going to go out there and do something for God. Um, Mm -hmm and i think that comes that applies into sort of our everyday lives too it's it's not about us you know trying to figure out what we can do for god it's really it's us understanding and accepting that god is working he's doing a thing on his own <laughs> um and we get to join into that
0: yes. with him yes. um and
2: we get to be a part of that with him so You know, that's really where our hope has to be that he's doing something and we get to go along with that. Not let's strike out on our own and change the government for Jesus. (laughs) I think
0: a lot of us have changed our vocabulary from, oh, I have to do things for God to let's do things with God because Mm -hmm. I think we've been discovering that since the beginning, God has desired to want to co rule with us over creation and has wanted to partner with us since the beginning. And we decided to go our own way. And the gospel is the story of God making a way for us to partner together again. So now that has, and that has totally, by the way, that little shift in your your mind will change how you view your faith because it goes from like, Oh, I have to make God happy. I have to please him to, well, no, God's already pleased with me. I'm already part of his family. Now I get to partner with him in what he's doing and be a part of the new creation. Now that's a whole different discussion and a whole different mindset than, you know, I have to please, I have to please, I have to do things for him, you know, God, are you watching? Look what I'm doing for you. That, that little shift from four to with, I think changes everything. Yeah. I, right. I feel like you talking about creation and all
1: of that just reminded me, I feel like in all of the Bible studies i have been in recently because of Tim Mackey, I bring up Genesis one, like almost every four seconds, because I'm like, but don't you understand the concept was all <laughs> – it's just like, Tim, why did you do this to me? I feel if, like everything I talk about goes back to Genesis 1.
0: If Tim Mackey <laughs> will leave one mark on current <laughs> theological discussions, it will be how everything in the Bible is linked and how at some point it ties back to creation. Yeah. I mean, you, you know that game like Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? It's <laughs> like six degrees of, of Genesis 1 and 2. I mean, yeah. it's true. And I love that because, I, again, I just always thought Genesis 1 and 2 were just, oh, here's how the world was formed. Some right. people think it's literal some something. It wasn't. All right, moving on. But really, everything is going back to that garden ideal. <laughs> Amazing.
1: Crazy. Yeah, I think every sermon I've spoke, I think the past five sermons I've mentioned Genesis 1. <laughs> It's there, man. <laughs> Everybody's
2: it's like, there. Rob's here preaching out of Genesis 1 again. <laughs>
0: Rob, let me guess. You know, Genesis you know how, 1?
2: You know how the pastor gets up and tells you which passage to turn to? When Rob gets up, they're already there. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: oh, Genesis, Genesis 1. Right, here we go. <laughs> I'm going through Tim's uh, series on Sabbath right now. Once again, oh, so amazing. Good. And yes, we are in Genesis. <laughs> 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 but anyway, guys, good thoughts, good stuff yeah i liked it i wish we recorded more (laughs) often but the chance of us recording next time i mean who knows honestly eventually eventually at some point hey guys you want to hear a joke remember when we talked about doing it weekly and we did for like two months (laughs) we've
2: still put out more episodes this year than we have any other year in the past so So we're
0: ahead of the game yeah success we're a top notch podcast and come in may
1: of next year oh we never, you never announced that because that was part of our. Oh
0: right, I announced it yesterday. We <laughs> <laughs> get all amped up. My wife is with child. We're having a baby. Woo! Woo Still don't know if it's a boy or a girl though. I want well, a boy. We can go
1: through all these jokes again.
0: No, <laughs> I'm too tired. I'm too
2: tired. But congratulations!
1: Thanks, May, Jordan. Coming May of next year. <laughs> Tim's gonna have so much more time on his hands to record.
2: He'll just be sitting at home with a baby. Yeah. He can record all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're gonna hear a wh- you're gonna hear crying in the background all the time. You're like, Tim, how's baby life? Like, guys, save me. I can't do it. I haven't <laughs> slept in months.
2: <laughs> you just have yeah. to uh do the Dwight Schrute method and the uh congealed animal fat. <laughs> String tied to the toe. <sighs>
0: all right, all right. Tim's yawning. i'm, I'm yawning everyone thank you for tuning in we're cutting this podcast off here we might talk to you again this year it might be 2020 next time you hear from us it could be 2021 who knows if you like our podcast subscribe because it's like a jack-in-the-box you never know what new one's gonna <laughs> pop out
2: if if you want to hear more from us give us money <laughs> yes
0: yeah I, again if any of you are filthy rich and want to support three guys Mainly me, but two other guys as well. Uh, financially yeah. to do this all the time. We will gladly take your money and give you top tier quality content. Top Amen. tier.
2: Yeah. We'll advertise whatever you want. That's not uh
0: true. within <laughs> <laughs> No, no, just Batman kidding. sell my soul. From the church of <laughs> Satan comes I'm like, Oh my we really sold it out. <laughs> mm. All right. Uh, well, thanks for listening, anyway. everyone. Have a great night. Goodbye.
1: Thanks for checking out the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. You can always drop us a line on Facebook or through our email, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com, as we love to hear from our listeners. Until next time, drink coffee, discuss theology, and love Jesus.